Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Expansive CEO Podcast. I have a returning guest Today, it is Mr. Blake Fly, the nine-time TEDx speaker, uh, coach, facilitator, all-around awesome, grateful, thankful human being. And we are going to talk about our fatal flaws today. Mm -hmm. He and I, um, they're not the exact same, but but it's been a journey um, to shift um, shift and swing the pendulum to the other direction. So let's talk about that. Blake, introduce yourself for the people who didn't hear you. So before, if you want to hear Blake's other episode, go back to episode eight, the power of unexpected appreciation. It is fire. And I would love for you to, you know, get a whole like hour full of Blake anyway. So go back to that one and then come back here and Blake, tell us who you are. I'm thrilled about this encore event. First things first. So hello again, Hannah, in this context. And if you're new to my world, my name is Blake Fly. Well, my, my name is Blake Flyshacker, but the spelling's tricky. So I've been Blake Fly for a long time. And I introduced myself as a husband, a father, and nine-time TEDx speaker because I love telling stories. And most of my business has been as a professional speaker going around talking to companies and campuses about unexpected appreciation and how to build relationships in ways that just add more energy, excitement, and opportunities to our lives. Though in the last few years, some of that has shifted because I wanted to stay a bit, I want to stay home a bit more than being a road warrior speaker guy. My beautiful wife, Emily, and I got married five years back at the time of this recording, and we've had two kids since then. Koa and Summer. So now my life is very much on the ranch <laughs> a lot more. We don't have a ranch, maybe someday, but at home and mainly as a coach, a speaker, virtually a lot of the time and community and event leader. So I'll talk a, a bit about those things throughout this conversation and all about my fatal flaws as well. Yeah. So let's dive in there because uh, so Blake and I have been in um, some different coaching containers together, and that's how we met originally um, a little over a year ago at this yeah. point. Um, and one of the things that we each get told all the time is that we're just so nice. We're just so mm. nice and like so amazing. And I will say the last time, the most recent time that someone said that to me, like, you're just so nice. You're just so like, so amazing. I bristled. Mm. I bristled at it. I was like, stop, stop telling me I'm so nice. Um, yeah. And for you, there was this aspect of humbleness. So I wanted you to tell this story. Um but the it's one of the things that I actually remember. So Marla Mattinson is one of the mentors that we both um, are in some of her different containers, a fantastic human being. She sees like right through to the problem hmm. or the, the challenge, I'll say, um, yeah. that we're all facing. And so 
one of the things I remember specifically is her saying that your humbleness, Blake, is a lie. Yeah, that was, a, that was a zinger. Ooh, that's a zinger. Yeah. So tell tell us more um, what that meant to you. And yeah, so if that's your fatal flaw is that your humbleness is a lie. What does that actually mean? And what? how did you interpret that? Yeah, I'd say if I went up to the buffet of my limitations, it's it's humility, being nice and wanting to be liked by everyone. Those are sort of the the trifecta in my world. So yes, there's upside and awesomeness to those tendencies, though I'd say overall, now they're kind of at my ankles, holding me back. Humility, being considered super nice and wanting to be liked. So the humility piece was interesting because I specifically remember this one experience where I went to see a fellow speaker give a keynote on a weekend. This was years ago now, probably 2012 or something. And uh, this guy's name is Craig Kielberger. And for a while, he was doing some monumental work in, in the world. Still is, though I haven't really kept up in the last few years. And so he had a major lineup of people who wanted to talk to him afterwards. And you know, people just wanted to get his photo taken with him, get their books signed by him, all that jazz. Just people kind of in, in the fan lineup to go connect over the speech. And I wrote him a card while he was speaking that I was going to then give to him when I went to say hello after. And he didn't really know me. Just I think we emailed once or twice before. I gave him a card and I just said, um, hey, I had the opportunity to speak at your academy this past summer about four or five times. You and I haven't met in person, but just want to personally say thanks because I know you were indirectly involved in building that place. And he, he was stunned in this moment because he sort of went, hang on, hang on. Like, we don't we don't just like no offense, man, but we don't just have like anyone come speak at our academy. So. So, I mean, t tell me, tell me a bit more about you. Like, great to meet you. Thank you for speaking at our academy multiple times. And tell me a bit more. And I was standing with Emily, my then girlfriend, now wife, and my cousin, Jamie. And I just totally brushed it off. Like, oh, I, you know, I guess, I guess the other speaker got the flu or something. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, but great job today. It was like, I minimized my mm. leadership and threw the light directly back on his awesomeness, brushed it off. Also thought there's a long lineup behind me. I'm probably making these people wait. Let's, let's skedaddle. <laughs> like those were all the thoughts. And so I say, yeah, anyway, no, no problem. Just want to get you this card. Have a great day. Thanks for the speech. Emily, Jamie and I, we, we walk off. My cousin in that moment was just like, she calls me Blakey all the time. Cause you know, she's known me since I was born. It's like Blakey. You're too damn humble. Like, why didn't you tell him anything about you? Like, why? And back then, 2012, I'm like, well, because, you know, I want to, didn't really matter. Just whatever. Wanted to give him the card. And I, I like being humble. I don't want to be someone who's bragging and show offy. So I kind of saw it as this binary thing, like a coin flip. I'm like, well, if the coin flip is show off or humble, I choose humble. I didn't really see a spectrum and, and the missed opportunities that came from 
being too humble or even taking pride in high humility. So that's one example of probably a hundred over the years where when in an interaction where people are, are impressed by me or inspired by my work or genuinely want to learn more about how they can engage with me or collaborate with me or work with me even, I'll just sweep it away, self-deprecating joke out of it, put it back on them, change the subject, and there goes who knows how many opportunities. So now when I see myself in that pattern, it's really frustrating. I used to not even notice it was a thing that I was doing. I didn't realize that I was maybe missing opportunities. Whereas now when it comes up, it's not like I've mastered it, but I can notice and I go, oh, okay. All right. I see. I see. I, I will be less inclined to just shower the person with some kind of light, bright compliments of sorts. And they're always sincere, but also it's like, keeps me safe. Cause I don't really have to talk about myself in that moment, but they are sincere. And if I kind of botch it in the moment, if I still don't feel like I was super effective around showing up as a leader in that moment or speaking about me, my expertise, ways I can contribute to you or help you, or we can even work together. What I've become masterful at is following up. So if I feel like, oh, missed that, well, then I'll just hop on social media a day later and find that person and then send some audio message or a video message. Again, that unexpected appreciation stuff that I talked about in episode eight. So the follow-up isn't because, oops, I screwed up, I better follow up. The follow-up has just become a muscle that I've built over the years at a pretty high level. And it can serve as a bit of insurance if I didn't totally show up as powerfully as I would have liked in that actual interaction itself. So I, that example, I feel like you've told, maybe told that story before, but I didn't hear it all um, because yeah, for, for someone else to be saying, oh my gosh, like you actually must be at least sort of a big deal um, in order for that to be true. Right. And for you to just be like, ah, the flashlight and like, just turn it right back you know, that, that is what like sparked to me. It's like, oh, mm -hmm, yep. Resonates for me. Yeah. That I do that too. Like immediately, immediately turn the flashlight where what's really interesting again for both of us is that we thrive in the spotlight. Yeah. So what's that about? Right. Like what, what is an answer? <laughs> do you have an answer? I, I, I do. I very oh. much do. It's only a recent development, I'd say the last year or so, as I've kind of studied up on this stuff personally, which is I love the spotlight. I've always been like, as a kid, I was in in the band, in drama club. I was always on a stage. Is there a stage? Cool, I'll take it. I loved attention. I loved the spotlight. I was like valedictorian lead actor guy in school. Just I was always in the spotlight. The difference is that, for me anyway, those moments, you just get placed in the spotlight. Like it is actually your responsibility to go, okay, now, now you go do that thing you said you were going to do, which is go be in that spotlight, bring your best, and then you step out of that spotlight. And it's just very, for me, organized and structured. I'm not, I'm not an introvert, 
but I've heard that there are many people who are performers that identify as an introvert, sometimes even a very high introvert, because it's very determined. It's very controlled, those moments where you're on a stage and you're performing, even though it's live and you know you can't control all those factors. If you know that you are a skilled performer, presenter, communicator, even if the power goes out or there's a heckler in the crowd, that's your zone. But you you go into the zone. It's not like the zone just finds you at the grocery store and then suddenly whoo, spotlight time. So if I know that I need to go be in my zone, it's very much just warm water for me. But if there's an interaction where there's two voices in my head, voice A is keep it humble, bro. And voice B is this is your zone. <laughs> like do it. I choose often keep it humble, bro. Though over time, it's it's shifting more to you no know, channel some of that leadership and performance in those interactions. Not that we're trying to put on a show for people, but for me, like some of my highest strengths are in a performance context, and there's there's micro versions of that always available for me. So that's that's at least my thought. Do you have a thought on this? Well, yeah. So the thought that was coming to me was integration. Hmm. And I mean, integration in the, in the sense of rather than siloing these pieces of ourselves. So like you're saying, like there's, there's me on the stage and then there's me in the grocery store. Yeah. That, that is, that is creating these big separations between parts of ourselves. And it's true. So um, I'm also a musician. My degree is in flute performance. And so Mm. being on the stage um, and public speaking and different things like that, that, that has been, you know, part of my journey as well. Um, Band kid, drum major, all the stuff, right? Uh, What? How have we not covered this? This Right. I was a drum major in high school for two years. Um, Yeah. So literally being in front of the group and all of that like comes, I wouldn't say naturally because it's always an acquired skill, but it was a, a skill I acquired early on um, as well. And the, so this, the sense of that being like a mask, that's what I'm hearing is like, this is a mask that I put on to go to this place into this setting. Yeah. How can we, how can we integrate it so that it's not a mask anymore? Hmm. That it's just like you, like you said, I really loved that too, that it's a spectrum, right? Like none of this is like black or white. Um, This is not either, or I'm not on the stage or off the stage. And so the other, here's the other little tangent that I'm going to circle in with this, because a lot of the people who are or identify themselves as extremely introverted uh, but can be on the stage. They're taking beta blockers. They are mm. like taking, you know, like lots of anti-anxiety stuff to get onto mm. the stage to do their best. That's not yeah. every case. So I don't want to like say that that's literally everyone. Um, yeah. But having been in that performance space through, mm. you know, my early adulthood, I knew a lot of people that that's what they needed in order to be able to calm down to be on stage. Oh, on their best. And so that's, that's then that's a lack of integration as well. 
you know, they're, they're having to separate out from their, their self in some way, shape or form in order to do that thing where I think some of the magic that you bring even into the groups um, that you're in that is you, you just have this aura of, you know, first of all, nine time TEDx speaker is a pretty big deal, but then watching your reels, watching your, you know, like what, what you have done, the way that you interact with a large crowd, right. That, that aspect of you follows you Hmm. and comes into the group setting with you. And so if, I think that's the, that's like the disconnect where if you, Hmm. if you deflect it, it's like, Hmm. wait, no, I, but I see this, I see you. And you're saying, right. oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for that. And second of all, I think that's very much what our dear colleague, friend, mentor, Marla was calling me out on that one time of like, hey, your humility is a lie because I, I, I know that it is equally true that I can hold it in a multi-thousand person arena for an hour giving a keynote and play music with my band and stuff like that. So if your only experience of me is, let's say, watching those speaker reels with thousands of people in the audiences and playing music and just on a stage and holding an audience like that, and then I'm just coming off as, oh, yeah, you know, I... I give talks once in a while, sort of self-deprecating, but also eyes off me. It makes absolutely no sense if your first experience of me was some keynote I gave or like footage you saw online or something. So no one had ever put it so eloquently that my humility is a lie. (laughs) But when Marla did, I was like, okay, touche. Because... If I were someone that was looking to an individual in that sort of context of, whoa, how how do they do that? How do they show up that way? I want to show up that way, or I have questions with that. And then the the tendency is a bit more like just sweep under rug, sweep under rug, sweep under rug. That's a that's a disconnect and a gap, and perhaps even confusing, or uh, maybe even trying to think of a, a negative word like unfair. It's like you line up to see someone after a concert or something. And they're like, Oh no, I don't really like play music. It's like, what? I just, I was, I traveled four hours to come to this show. I got front row tickets. What are you talking about? Maybe there's an experience kind of like that. So yeah, that's what's, that's what's coming up for me in this moment. Yeah. So that, uh, that reminds me one. Yeah. The musician, um, example is really on point because yeah, if you go up to even, like junior, senior recital, things like that. Like I'll give an example from my um, senior recital. I played some really difficult music. It was like, there was one piece that was, um, oh gosh, it was like really, just really technical and kind of like new, new music type thing. Like it it wasn't necessarily tonal. It was kind of weird. It was like this whole thing. I had worked on it a lot. Um, And some of my students, that were in, you know, anywhere from fifth grade to ninth grade came and they came to see me and all of that. And so when they were like 
amazed at what I was doing on stage. Like, yeah, if I, if they were to come up to me afterwards and be like, that was amazing. I'm like, well, I messed up this and that and four other things. Right. Why? Yeah. Why do that? Like, no, don't do that. I, I don't think I did that. I don't remember that. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, that's what we tend to do is that we focus on what wasn't exactly right. Hmm. And the audience is having this, like, they're having an experience and yeah. we don't want to invalidate that. The other one that came up was um, uh, Julia Child and how she would, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a dinner party, don't ever tell anyone that what you messed up in a dish, right? Just don't just serve everything. Like if you mess something right. up, doesn't matter. Just set it out. Everyone will right. love it. And you don't need to say anything. I mean, unless right. you, like left a fingernail in there or something, you know, something. <laughs> yeah. Like yes. uh, the, the can, there's a can <laughs> in there, like, be careful, don't, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. But this same, the same feeling of, you know, be proud of, you're, you're allowed to own everything about you mm. and be, be proud of yourself and right. be, um, be your, your own biggest supporter and cheerleader. Yeah. Rather than deprecating yourself yeah i'm thinking about those students of yours who if they were to see you just rock it as the musician that you were at the time and then there's a a gap for them like maybe it would have been a funny feeling or maybe who knows it could have even been detrimental towards their own journey in, in their music we'll never know i'm sure that wasn't the case but i like being in this conversation right now to sort of step back a bit and look at what are those downsides those missed opportunities those well why the heck did i do that moments by not just like puffing up a little bit but thoughtfully and meaningfully in interactions when you actually can sort of put a bit of a feather in the cap of like yeah i'm awesome (laughs) I you could know, absolutely help you with that. Yeah. You know what that brings up too, is that's blocking receiving. Hmm. If you are blocking in this, I'm literally like, we're having, we're having like downloads come through, like literally in real time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this sense of if you are unwilling to accept someone's love for you, yeah. if someone is expressing love in that way that, um, or appreciation in that way. And you were like, nope. You're literally saying, no, I don't receive that. Yeah. I don't want more of that. But that's not true. We do want more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We want more of that. I want more of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when we don't allow in the appreciation from others, we we say we don't want it. That's what we're saying. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely agree. I receive that, Hannah, and agree. <laughs> you're, you're reminding me of a post I shared on Facebook years ago because the good old cliche of social media is, you know, everyone's just showing up flawlessly, myself included. It's like, oh, right. Oops, look, I'm just like putting up all the good stuff, the hits, instead of the times I, I got hit. And so I did this post years ago where instead of thinking about what is sort of that flawless angle online i purposely made a list that i refer to as my flaw list and so 
I wanted to sort of spoof off that flawless nature of social media and how we show up there. And I made a flaw list and I wrote, I think, 20 or 40 just items of like, here's some stuff that I would just consider flaws. And I could probably like bring it up if I just search for two minutes. But I I wrote things. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to do this because Facebook's <laughs> a pretty, pretty good search tool. I can maybe find it. If I don't find it in 20 seconds, I'll just paraphrase. But let me see if this works. Flaw yeah, do it. Because for people who are tuned into this, look, it's, I found it. I got it. Okay. So for people who are tuned into this episode, very simple, practical, tactical exercise here. You write your flaw list. That could be five things, 10 things, 20 things, 50 things. And you put it on social media. That could be LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. If you have a newsletter, send it in your newsletter. But I'm now on my screen looking at December 30th, 2016, a Facebook post of mine titled Blake's Flaw List. 34 of my flaws as a way to get real and wrap the year. Interesting. So I didn't actually write it. It's a video. It's it's a 27-minute video. <laughs> so I didn't write it. I could pull it and transcribe it now because those tools are everywhere. But let me see if anybody commented. So yeah, 44 comments. I mean, it's not Oprah status, but I receive all those comments. See, I already just diminished it. Tendencies, patterns. So that's a really cool exercise that frankly, I want to do again because 2016 is a long time ago and it's powerful. I mean, you and I, I've probably had experiences where when we see people show up with their their bruises in a public context, it's it's very compelling. It's it's magnetic. It's humanizing, and I get energized by that stuff because when you can see backstage, just learn a lot. Sometimes way more than when you just see what's going on front of stage. That I feel is super powerful because with the again, with the recital example, say that it's, it's a different, um, it's a different energy to come in and say, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that feedback. This was, this was really challenging for me to learn. Or I, you know, there were, there were times where I didn't think I was going to get it. There were times, you know, like to, to, um, to be real about the process, to be real about your own doubts and fears through what you were doing is, is real, is authentic versus the immediate, like, oh, you know, talking about the mistakes right at that moment. Those are very different energies. And that, yeah. so I loved what you said too, about like, yeah, helping someone else on their journey. If it's a young flutist who says, wow, that was so amazing. I could never do that. And the answer is, oh, you know what? I, I went through so much trying to learn this piece. It was so mm. difficult. It was like wrapping my brain around something totally different from what I normally do. And if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. There's that's, that's a different, it just brings a different energy to it. For sure. A, a metaphor that I kind of leverage with this whole conversation to, to catch that pattern of, oh, there goes humility or oh, there goes the ah, no big deal and brush off opportunities, things like that is, you know, when you're driving in your car and you're just listening to classic radio, how sometimes it'll just cut in between stations. The reception might just all of a sudden you're maybe you're like, 
rock station becomes country just because of the part of the road you're on. To me, it's kind of like that. It's I, I feel almost like two channels just flickering in between. I'm like, oh, humble. No, be more powerful. Humble, powerful, or whatever the two stations are. But the fact that I can even see that there's like a a, a signal switch of those two channels, that in itself is progress. Because back in the day, I'm like, what? There's a second channel? I thought it's just like humble, 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 humble. That is the way of being. Nothing else matters. So I'm constantly trying to refine how can I just channel A, channel B, channel A, channel B, and and be in it and be present to it and know how to make that switch gracefully and thoughtfully instead of treat it like some huge ramp that I'm going off on a bike where it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is going to be like such a big leap. Oh my gosh, I'm about to like not be humble. Yikes. It's like, no, just switch 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 and an area where i find that come up the most for me in current blake world is the number of tedx talks i've given that's that's a thing that i get associated with i've given nine tedx talks and forever i just totally like joke about it it's like oh yeah i mean whatever i guess i guess they couldn't find non-ginger speakers or something or yeah well i don't know i like i just deflect deflect self-deprecate self-deprecate and i go to these places i'm like well none of them have huge view counts or well i mean i it's not like i did tedx harvard it's like oh well i mean i go to all those places and the interesting thing is I've never applied for any of those. I've never once applied for a TEDx talk and I've done nine of them. And I used to think that was like uh, like a, a negative, like a strike against it. It's like, well, it doesn't count. Like I didn't even apply, just whatever. Instead of, wait a minute, <laughs> this is this is sort of like a, a Willy Wonka golden ticket that a lot of thought leaders are always looking for. It's like, how do I do one of the, how do I like, where's the door to this place? I want, I want to do one. And, and the application process is intense and it's a grind and it's like just application, 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 application. Whereas me, I've done nine. I've never even looked at an application and I'm still like playing it down to the point that, I'm running an event. You might have seen this. I'm running an event in September now. I found this beautiful, stunning venue in a barn outside of Toronto where I live. I spoke there in June. I was like, this place is spectacular. I need to figure out a reason to run an event here. But I didn't know what it was. So I asked my audience. I'm like, hey, I want to do an event here, but only if there's interest and if people think this is relevant. And a handful of folks were like, do an event on like TEDx. Like, how do you, how do you get booked on TEDx and stuff? So in September, I'm going to be doing an event devoted to how to build a TEDx talk and how to book a TEDx talk. And still, I'm like, well, who am I to do this? And oh my gosh. And But uh, I never applied. It's wild how many voices are just cramping the, you've done a thing, you do a thing, you're skilled at a thing that a lot of people are asking you for on a weekly, if not daily basis for leadership, guidance, direction, and support in wake up and smell the coffee, dude. 
that's my real time. Very, very, very real. Huh. The channels are just still flickering. Mm. Well, we will add that event um, when we post this because awesome. Yes, there, there are so many people. There's so many people who want to break in to speaking, right? And that's, um, you have that gift. Absolutely. And so that's hilarious to me, truly. I was sitting here not laughing so as not to make extra noise in the microphone. Um, but hilarious to me that, yeah, it's like, well, I never applied. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like, I've done nine TEDx talks and I didn't even have to apply. They like were flocking to me. That's so much right. more. That's even more impressive. Right. Uh, it's, it's actually cooler. <laughs> and I'm still like, I don't know. It doesn't count. <laughs> no, it, it counts more. It's like, cause that's what we really want. Right. I don't want to apply 40 times either. I want them right. to just come to me and be like, Hey, you have awesome stuff to stay. Can you be on our stage? And I yeah. go, absolutely. That's, that's what I want. Right. And that's what, I think that's what most of us want, uh, yeah. who, who do any sort of public speaking. So you are well, and in the world. It's like, can you come to my party is better than like, can I come to your party? It's just better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. The energy around that too. Yes. Uh, beautiful. That is, yeah, that's amazing. And I, the, in our last couple of minutes here, I wanted yeah. to, I really wanted to get, and I, I feel like you were almost getting there too. Like this, the swing between humility and arrogance, mm -hmm. right? So this, this sense that that you've been so far on the humility channel for so long that like, if you try to be arrogant, you're just going to land in the middle. You're going to finally yeah. be like, um, receptive to hmm. all, the, all of the, all of the love that people want to give. Um, yeah. And so that's, I, I want to, I really wanted to just kind of like get that in there um, because I, I feel like a lot of us who, again, I, I talked to a client about this literally last week, same, same kind of feeling that, you know, you're so, you're so far on this side that even if you tried to be what you feel is the exact opposite, you can't. Yeah. Because they're, you're, you're being so tempered, right? Your, your whole being is tempered by who you are. And so that humility for you, for me, it's compassion, right? I'm so compassionate and understanding that that's such a way of me being in the world that if I try to be the exact opposite, completely uncompassionate and not understanding, it just doesn't work. Like mm. it, it's going to fall in the middle. Like the boundaries that I set are going to fall in the middle. Right. Because I'm so, so pegged to the other side. Um, yeah. So what do you think about that? I like it as a creative exercise where, again, I think social media is a, a helpful arena for it. It's like, how could I write a post, let's say, and then edit it, not for spelling, but edit it for arrogance on purpose, almost as if I, I have a very arrogant editor that I tap on the shoulder and say, hey, give this thing a look and make it more arrogant. Thanks. Dial Those it up. Those kinds of exercises I find useful or... If I'm ordering some food or something, let's say at a, at a restaurant, 
could I order without saying, Hey, how's your day going so far? Awesome. Like my tendency is I want to connect to the human and then I'll get, I'll get to the business of it. But an exercise for me could even just be someone walks up to me at a restaurant and say, Hey, how's your day going? What can I get you? Um, I'll have, I'll have the salad and like say nothing else. <laughs> that to me feels like such an edge, it but <laughs> it's, it's actually normal. There's a lot of people that are just like, I'll have this salad. And they won't even say thanks. They're just like, pass the money back. <laughs> Done. So the fact that you and I are like uncomfortable right now is just quite funny to me. It's like, oh my God. Uh. But those kinds of things are my way that I could sort of put myself in a little gamified version of let's go be more arrogant today. <laughs> so I need I to do them that. more is, is my point. Like I know ways I could do that as exercises. I would like to do them more often and just be with those feelings. Yeah. And then watch as it turns. Here's my, here's my prediction is that it turns into saying what you mean without the fluff. Right. Still with love. Right. Like you would still come across it's a life changer for me. Right. You would, you I would can still be... come across with love. Right. If I was more direct in every area of my existence, it would benefit me immensely because I'm a, I like to talk. I like telling stories. I like wordplay and making people feel special. So I'll use a hundred words where I need 50 guaranteed. Yes. Well, with that, where can people find you? Um, where would you like to, or would you like to tell people to go? Two places. One, I hang out on Instagram relatively often. And my Instagram is just Blake fly one word. So you can find me there. Or I love giving out my personal cell phone on podcasts. It's not a funnel. It's not some opt-in. It's just, if you want to text me like your friend, here's my number 647-987-4359. Just like it's 1997. I'm going to say it again. 647-987-4359. Text me and say, I heard you on Hannah's podcast and I'll just message you back like a human. Yeah. Do it. He will literally message you back. So thank you so much for being here again, Blake. We will do it again. I mean, awesome. Patrick. Yes. Thanks everyone. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like, and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at ExpansiveCEO.com and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at ExpansiveCEO.com and at XSquaredWealthPlanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, WealthPlanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough, you are enough, and your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.